0: What's the fallout from the quarterback situation at Oklahoma? What's next for eligible draft guys at LSU? And how did the Arizona Cardinals set themselves up for success and getting to where they are now? We're going to cover all those today on Locked On NFL Draft. You are locked on NFL Draft. Your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back, football fans. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, as well as your host over at RGR Football on YouTube, the Locked On Chiefs Show. And today I am flying solo here on Locked On NFL Draft. Eric Crocker will be back soon. Hopefully tomorrow, we'll find out. He is uh, lost somewhere in Northern California uh, on a trip that just got the better of him, but he will be back very shortly. Uh, I have just returned from vacation, so hope that you guys had a good week without me. I know Rob and Croc kept everything kind of straightforward and giving you the information that you needed. I unplugged while I was out, so I didn't actually get any of the big updates. So I have dove in. The last couple here. And since I have you to my, we're going to go over the things that really stand out to me because while Crock will dig into the film through the season, that's not something that I usually hit deep dive film study until the NFL playoffs and until the NFL season kind of slows down enough to add that in. But what I do do is pay attention to performance and I pay attention to who's climbing, who's not. That's what we're going to talk about today. And there's no better place to start than Oklahoma. It's, it's been coming for a while. I think that ever since you Saw Spencer Rattler in, uh, as a high school senior on television, I think it all kind of got rolling a little bit early. Was that too much pressure to continue his development? Is it just too much for him at the stage that he's at right now? We're going to have a chance to find out because I think what you saw is a changing of the guard for the Sooners. Uh, with Williams taking over and playing, quite frankly, with a, a bigger dimension than I think we've seen from Rattler. I don't expect right now, in terms of pure merit, for Williams to give up that job. And so it's rather to be the starter at OU again, just based on the way that they run the offense and play the game. Now that doesn't mean that it won't happen. We'll talk about that in a second. But from what I've seen, the question becomes, it's one thing for what's best for the team, but when you talk about Spencer Rattler, somebody who uh, July... Uh, Just quick film reviews that in the top five, at least for me, he's in uh, my top 10. He is falling. Um, And I do run that every position through the season. A lot of people had him as the number one quarterback, possibly the number one overall pick in this draft when they started looking over the summer. That has drastically changed now. The question then becomes, where are we now? Uh, from a maturity standpoint, I give him credit because I think he's dealt with the benching very well. And he's in a position right now to do what's best for him in riding this. It doesn't mean that he won't get back on the field. I, I do see a possibility down the line that a freshman is a freshman. And as you go through and you approach what you would hope for this program to be uh, a playoff run, to get into that uh, championship playoff you can see that there are some stumbling blocks ahead. Does this mean that Spencer Rattler will not start another game for the Sooners? It does not. It doesn't look likely right now, but that doesn't put it all the way out of the realm of possibility. And so when you come down to it, what that means is he has to make a choice. A lot of rumor here the last couple of days about the transfer portal. That does make sense because right now I have him falling down in my top 10. And I think that puts him... Not only is not a first-round pick, but quite a bit below that. This kind of fall in performance, I think, generally has lasting effects in the negative realm for players. Teams are going to not discount what you've done in the past, but they're also going to take recency bias, what you've done the most recently, as kind of the the, the higher priority film. And right now, that doesn't bode well for Rattlers. So for me, I think it comes down to, Do you want to transfer and start over in another program, have to learn a new offense, have to adjust to a new roster, a new coaching staff, and try to rebuild that? Or do you take your chances off of your resume to this point and come out for this draft anyway? I think that's going to be a really interesting discussion as we go through the next few weeks because this change, I think, if I'm him, if I'm advising him, I think he should go back to school. He should transfer, get to a program that needs him, that he can actually show some development from this. Still a pretty young kid. I think there's time for maturity. I think there's time for development. There's time for study, including a transfer and getting into something new. I think that's worth the question marks that a player like that might have. In order to get better film as your last film, when you do try to get into um, the draft process for scouts to be looking at you with a fine-toothed comb, and to go through all those rigors. That would be my suggestion to him. There's also certainly the case that whether it's uh, a freshman's inexperience or there's always a the possibility of injury, too, that being the experienced backup puts him in a position at some point in the season to get back in the starting lineup for whatever reason, uh, particularly if it's a playoff game, I think that definitely would take him back towards coming out after the season and getting into that draft process. We're going to have to see how that unfolds. I don't know what's best for him when it comes to January, we're going to find out as we go along, but I do want to thank you guys for our first listen today, it's something that's important, we like to give you all the information and get you out the door, so this recording is going to be tight, I know you guys are adjusting to the new format, and this is going to be even a little bit tighter since I'm solo, and uh, Croc isn't here to talk sense into me, or at least give me a, a, a counterpoint, and if he was, then we'd probably be watching film on some tablet or something somewhere, and we'd be Talking to the camera here on a computer and we'd probably be doing something on our phones too, just like you do when you're trying to get all of your entertainment and sports watching all on one platform. It's very difficult to do, but there's a solution now. It takes away the confusion and it makes things really simple without a hassle. It's called direct TV stream. It takes all of your sports watching, all of your on-demand watching, entertainment, whatever, and puts it together in one place that you can get it nice and easy. It means no more juggling remotes or digging through the couch like I generally do or or hunting where some dog went off with some, uh and trying to get everything sorted out. You don't have to buy another device ever. It's nice. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. You can get rid of all the clutter and all the confusion with DirecTV Stream. You can get over there to directtv.com to check it out, and it's compatible with a device that is required, and content does vary package. Now, the second thing for today that I think is really important, a lot of hubbub about the quote-unquote demise of LSU and what's been going on with that Ogeron. Now, they've reached an agreement. I'm not going to go too deep into the agreement. Maybe tomorrow we'll talk about who might be taking over that program and what that means for some of the younger players. But today I really want to take a look at what it means for these players right now. Uh, Certainly this has been a tough season injury-wise for them uh, with Stingley out. Two top corners out. I don't know that this helps. That there's any. I have to check eligibility for both of them. Whether either would want to come back, I think. I think Rick's might have a little bit of time left. Departing coach. I don't know that you want to do that. So I think even despite injuries or anything like that, I think you're going to see stock pretty, pretty stable to tell you the truth. And I expect them both uh, to be in the pre-draft in this draft class. That's a pretty easy one. Now. Allie Gay just went out, and he's going to be out for the remainder of the season as well. Um, that changes a little bit for him. Maybe that there, there's a different scenario there. Certainly, um, I like what we saw from Ojolari. From I saw a couple of nice reds from him. I believe he's a sophomore, and so that you can see that there's a pipeline behind him. He's somebody we'll have to talk about when we really take into consideration who might be the next coach at LSU. But a head coaching change at this point, when you're either you know, a redshirt sophomore or, or anyone that's draft eligible and you're trying to get your best performance on there, and you're stuck with this season, it makes things difficult. Now, there's prospects all over the place uh, in that program, and I think that you could run down the gamut, everybody. Um, but the two that I want to focus on, to tell you the truth, you know, offense, obviously, they're, they're still um, rebuilding, reloading from the national championship game, and that's, that's again, part of why the coaching change is, is very interesting uh and, and i think a little bit outlandish 17 games i believe it is since the national championship uh and orgeron will finish out the season but then we'll have to move on um for an offensive lineman like ed ingram i think that that is a little a bit challenging there to tell you the truth uh but a couple of guys that i think are ready to come out uh, i believe mike jones is a redshirt sophomore the linebacker level here i think is what I'm most interested in again, we talked about the corners a little, edge rusher, but it's it's the linebackers, um, a transfer, Mike Jones, that I think came to the program for the leadership of Orgeron and for the legacy, quite frankly, of a championship program. I think that the rotation for him, while a lot of again um, summer adulation for him and what his season might contend with, I don't know that I've seen that come to fruition. Basketball, I think, had a pretty good game the other day. And that is keeping him off the sideline. Now, again, two players that I think are better in space. They're not, you know, take on interior uh, muscle linebackers like I like to call them. Uh, They don't take on and defeat guard blocks or that kind of thing. And so you can see that there's a little bit more room for rotation there. I think that's key for Jones in particular. But this coaching change, a lame duck situation. I think this becomes players for themselves at this point that they have to buckle down especially if you're out of eligibility you, you have no choice you have to go all out all the time but this makes it more difficult for the concentration factor to play amongst other players that are as bought in when you know that your coach is going to coach you now but he won't be here next year and there's a lot of trepidation there so I want to see what happens with that and, and the player the linebacker level that I think is is the most question right now is Jones I know that the transfer was a big hype thing there but the other guy that I think might creep up on some folks and I'm not sure that there's a lot of high grades on Damone Clark um, but he's got one from me Uh, definitely draftable Um, I won't say that he's a top 100 yet but uh, in real Cox film I thought Clark stood out a couple of times in 2020 he had a nice game the other day too coming up with that interception and uh, I think Clark the guy that is in position to surge off of this news to take what is A lot of noise with the LSU program and focus it. Take that and really approach his game as though he has all the world against him. If he can make that small leap and get an incremental adjustment um, in performance, I think he has it in him. I think his length is an asset, and I don't know those how to use it yet. Um, There are flashes where I think his length, especially in in trying to, to lock out Shed, I think, gives you an aspect of the future that I think he may end up being a better pro than he was a college player uh something that you say is Patrick Queen better than he was in college I wouldn't say that but this might be the reverse here and and certainly there's a legacy of players from LSU at that position being able to adapt and I think that that is the player right now that I'm hoping reaps the benefit of what is a very cloudy situation, one that I think is difficult for most. So keep an eye on him as you go down the, the second half of the college season. You get ready for that. There are other players uh, as well that I think are going to be in it. It's unfortunate, obviously, for the guys that are out uh, in Rickson, and Stingley, and uh, Gay now. Like, there's it's terrible, but you've seen players rebound from that before. I want to see Demon Clark take a step forward, get his name on the linebacker list. I, he's not quite there for me, uh, but he's definitely a draftable grade and a guy that I'm going to be watching as we go down the line. There's a lot of good linebacker play. Um, there, there's a lot of good defensive play overall so far this season. We'll talk about Cincinnati and Georgia here probably tomorrow. A uh, lot going on with them as well. I think there's a chance that you can take this crazy situation at LSU and turn it in your favor that's a challenge, but it's not something that is overwhelmingly unable to be done. I think that that will come down to also show you what you're looking for in terms of who can step up and make the most of a, of a bad situation, get themselves out of it. Uh, it takes fuel and it takes desire to do that. I'm, I'm looking for that down the line. And if I wanted to get fuel for them, I would definitely go over and grab some built bars because right now, if you haven't tried them you are completely missing out the best tasting protein bar on the market and it doesn't really taste like one it does it's not chalky it is a flavor of nearly a candy bar it's, it's almost a little a little guilty there at times 130 calories maybe 150 in that range 17 to 20 grams of protein this is a protein boost that helps you with all your workouts, helps you with recovery, helps you grow lean muscle mass. And that's what this comes down to. Their flavors are out of this world, including their new uh, cookie dough chunk, which I think I just ordered the other day. All kinds of flavors for every palate available. And all you have to do is go over and check them out. Uh, There's some limited flavors that are coming out every couple of days as well. You'd be some like strawberry limeade kind of things out there. You don't want to miss those. This is some unique things and I think a product that really will sell itself once you give it a shot. And to do that, all you got to do is go over to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 from us, and you'll get 15% off of your order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And when you save that 15%, you might as well roll it over and put it onto some action. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Everything is back and on the line at betonline.ag. That's the number one spot for all of your football action, whether it's pro or college. If you want to get something into the action, go check them out. And if you go over there, you get a 50% welcome bonus for signing up. Got to use our promo code locked on with them as well. The codes are everything here, you guys. Uh, They are the number one spot for everything pro and college football betting. Uh, You can bet the other sports if you really want to, but hey, I choose not to. They have everything under the sun if you are into that, though, so check them out. BetOnline is the fastest, easiest way to get all of your action on the line, and that's at BetOnline.ag where the game starts. That brings me to the third topic that I want to hit here, Um, and I'll I'll be interested to see what Crocs is when he's back, too, because one of the more interesting storylines to me this season has been the the resurgence or the surge of the Arizona Cardinals. And it's not just the quarterback-coach combination. I think the fact that you didn't have Cliff on the sideline last weekend, I think that's testament to the fact that it's not just the quarterback and coach. Only um, that's that's the core of it, but it's not all of it. And I think for me, the exercise that I want to go through is: it's one thing to acquire players like uh, like Chandler Jones. It's another thing to acquire an excellent player like Hopkins. Those go without saying that those are building blocks, and that's what changes uh, a, a team's performance at the professional level. That changes a club in terms of its definition, but it, it cannot be the only thing because those players cost money. Um, part of why you see What's going on there is the selection of Kyler Murray. Not only is he unique, um, is he viable with his legs, but he's also cheap. He's on a rookie contract drafted in 2019. The last three draft classes, I think, have been key to getting the Arizona Cardinals to where they are now. And that goes a long, long way. And it's, it's outside of the Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray core. When you take a look at it, they've been able to get pretty good performances. They've had some misses. Everyone does. Uh, The NFL draft is not a sure thing. Uh, You guys have listened to this long enough to know that. And if you're new to us, make sure you like and sub over on the uh, YouTube channel. Thanks for making us your first listen today as well. And hit us on the YouTube reviews, Uh, the iTunes reviews as well. It's a great way to let us know what you think of the new format and how we're doing, what you'd like to see us add, because we're always trying to look to it. we're here in the fall, Crock and I both cover professional teams as well as the draft. When we get through the, the NFL playoffs and we get into actual draft season, I think you guys are going to like a lot of what we have coming for you, a lot of new wrinkles that are going to be on the way. One of them in that process is going to be backtracking and seeing where we've been in our evaluations in the past. And I certainly track mine from year to year. You can always check out uh, over at Rogue Analytics. That's Rogue APM, and see where I get to. Because it's one thing to watch film and have your own grades. You have to do that. There's all the other aspects of the game that you have to boil down, and that is how you perform on the field when you have your opportunities, no matter how uh, gross or limited they are, and how you stack up athletically. I think you see that. And the athleticism is one thing on this particular team, the Arizona Cardinals, that I like because it's a little bit all over the place. What you see is uh, in last year's first round selection and Isaiah Simmons is a guy that was right at the top of the athletic matrix. Uh, if you don't know the athletic matrix, it's at RogueAPC.com. You can check that out as well. But that is the culmination of all your athleticism put into a functional matrix of movement. It's not spark. It's combining things well beyond spark and an evolution that shows you what a player is capable of physically, then you got to do all the coaching and get them on to your plan. I think Isaiah Simmons is a unique athlete. He and Willie Gay were the top two in the linebackers, and Simmons was, was very high in the safety rankings as well because I had them as, as both. He's coming along, and I think he can be a little pin for the future. Elite athleticism there. Zayvon Collins, uni- unique size and athleticism for him as well. They also invested in Rondale Moore. And, and I think anyone who has seen film in college knew that this was going to happen to put him in this offense with other wide receiver selections in the last couple of draft classes that I think are key. So you obviously with more with Andy Isabella as well, putting in reps. I know they missed on Butler. That's okay. When Everyone's going to miss sometimes uh, with Christian Kirk. You get what you get now combined with, with Nuke, you get this nice uh, variation Basketball team mentality of a point guard or or a post-up guy in your wide receiver court. That's really, really core to it. They've had the elite end of athleticism with him, with Collins, with Isaiah Simmons. And then they've had guys that I wouldn't call elite athletes, but very instinctual players. I think they've done a good job with that. Byron Murphy's been in there. Obviously, Buda Baker's selection was a few years before that. Um, I thought that was a a very savvy selection as well. Not high-end athleticism, but high-end play in space and instinctualism combined with good athleticism. That's a very nice combination. Obviously, Hassan Reddick was the talk of the town at the time, and you can see that this is a theme. Wide receivers, corners, or or let's just call them DBs, and what you get at the linebacker level. I think that's the core of what they're getting there, and that's enabled them to then put kind of the cherry on top when they get Kyler Murray in in the draft, and you put him – with Cliff Kingsbury, and you get those two, it's it's the basis around them that you have enough effectual players out of the drafts to then combine with them. And I know uh, Redick and Baker were 17, I believe, looking at it now. But While there's a little bit of leap there, let's let's forget about the Josh Rosen selection. We'll get to that later uh, or next time we get around to it. It is finding impact players outside of the quarterback combination that I think they've done a very good job with and has helped lift their defense enough to stay on pace there. I think this is a team that's rolling. I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain it because competition in the NFL is what it is. You can never be, I think, the max of what you hope to be. It's all about hitting that percentage of potential. And I think right now that they are definitely rolling. They've done it through the draft. There's enough volume there. I know they just moved on from going, uh in the trade for Ertz. Uh, again, a good investment at the draft level to then go get uh, a proven instance, although albeit injury injury prone in Ertz, uh, that gives you another aspect of at the offense that I think rounds them out really well. And that's using your draft resources, I think, very, very well. Uh, it's not all about trading draft picks. It's, it's about trading quality draft selections that maybe you've overdrafted and you don't have room for to get them on the field, or maybe they're not fitting your scheme, but if they have value and you've made your draft process correct in your evaluations, they have value to other teams as well, and that gives you value in return. So that's it for me today. A little bit of a long time. I hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll try to get Croc back tomorrow. If not, we have a couple of other topics that we need to get to in Turing, pass rushers. What's on with some of the elites? What were some of the surprises this last weekend, including uh, one one guy in particular that I want to get to that I think you guys are probably aware of, but he's flying under the radar in terms of the pass rush um, this time of year. That's where it starts to really kick in for me. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll be back, obviously, with Rob Lang, waiter later in the week, if I can pronounce that correctly. So thanks for spending your time with us today. Sorry, this one went up a little bit late. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a good one. and We'll talk to you then.